This is K.M. Wyland, and you're listening to the 115th episode of the Wordplay Podcast. I love it when the time to edit a story happens to coincide with the beautiful summer or autumn weather. Curling up in my comfy rocking chair inside, a favorite soundtrack floating to me from my speakers, is a great way to edit. But nothing beats propping my feet up outside in the shade, where I can look up to enjoy the seasonal beauty, the cicadas singing in the trees, and the smell of fresh-cut grass. The cats alternately curl up in my lap, or do their best to make themselves annoying by chasing my pin across the page. It's hard not to be thankful for a reason to enjoy the beautiful outdoors and work on a story all at the same time. Misconceptions about outlining, the second in my three-part series of video trailers, offering a sneak peek into the first chapter of my new book, Outlining Your Novel, is currently available on my blog, along with details about the weekly prize contests I'll be running all month building up to the grand prize, worth over $400, on September 26th. You can watch the video on my blog at wordplay-kmyland, that's w-e-i-l-a-n-d.blogspot.com. Be sure to stop by this Wednesday to register for a signed copy of my medieval epic, Behold the Dawn. Meanwhile, enjoy this week's podcast, Five Elements of a Riveting First Line. The opening line of your book is your first and if you don't take advantage of it, last opportunity, to grab your reader's attention and give him a reason to read your story. That's a gargantuan job for a single sentence. But if we break down opening lines, we discover a number of interesting things. One of the most surprising discoveries is that very few opening lines are memorable. Before you start quoting the likes of such classic, and highly memorable, first lines as Call Me Ishmael, and it is a truth universally acknowledged, Take a moment to think about the last few books you read and loved. Can you remember the opening lines? The very fact that these unremembered lines convinced us to keep reading until we loved the book means they did their jobs to sparkly perfection. I looked up the first lines of five of my favorite reads from the last year. Let's take a look at them. When I wake up, the other side of the bed is cold. The Hunger Games by Suzanne Collins From a little after two o'clock until almost sundown of the long, still, hot, weary, dead September afternoon, they sat in what Miss Coldfield still called the office, because her father had called it that, a dim, hot, airless room, with the blinds all closed and fastened for forty-three summers, because when she was a girl, someone had believed that light and moving air carried heat, and the dark was always cooler, and which, as the sun shone fuller and fuller on that side of the house, became latticed with yellow slashes full of dust motes, which Quentin thought of as being flecks of the dead, old, dried paint itself, blown inward from the scaling blinds as wind might have blown them. From Absalom, Absalom, by William Faulkner. It was night again. The Waystone Inn lay in silence, and it was a silence of three parts. The Name of the Wind, by Patrick Rothfuss. They used to hang men at four turnings in the old days, from My Cousin Rachel, by Daphne du Maurier. On the night he had appointed his last among the living, Dr. Ben Gibbons did not dream, for his sleep was restless, and visited by phantoms who guarded the portal to the world of dreams by speaking relentlessly of this world. From East of the Mountains, by David Gooderson. So what makes these lines work? What about them makes us want to read on? Let's break them down into five parts. 1. Inherent question. To begin with, they all end with an invisible question mark. 
Why is the other side of the bed cold? Why are these characters sitting in a hot, dark room? How can silence be divided into three separate parts? Who did they hang in the old days? And why don't they hang them any more? And why and how has Ben Givens chosen the time of his death? It's not enough to tell readers what's going on in your story. You have to give them just enough information to make them ask the questions so you can answer them. 2. Character Most of these opening lines give us a character, and the rest quickly introduce their characters in the sentences that follow. The first line is the first opportunity the reader has to meet and become interested in your main character. Faulkner and Gooderson ramp this principle to the max by immediately naming their characters, which allows readers that many more degrees of connection. 3. Setting Most of these lines also offer a sense of setting. In particular, Faulkner, Dumarier, and Rothfuss use their settings to impart a deep sense of foreboding and to set the tone of the book. Modern authors are often shy of opening with description, but a quick, incisive intro of the setting not only serves to ground the reader in the physicality of the story, but also to hook their interest and set the stage. In Worlds of Wonder, David Gerald explains that opening lines that hook you immediately into the hero's dilemma almost always follow the hook with a bit of stage setting, and vice versa. The opening line doesn't have to stand alone. It is supported by and leads into the scaffolding of all the sentences and paragraphs that follow. 4. Sweeping Declaration Only one of our example books, Dumarier's, opens with a declaration. Some authors feel this is another technique that's fallen by the wayside, along with the omniscient narrators of Austin and Tolstoy. But the declaration is still alive and well, no matter what point of view you're operating from. The trick is using the declaration to make readers ask that inherent question we talked about above. The sky is blue, or a stitch in time saves nine, are the kind of yawn-infested declarations that lead nowhere. But if you dig a little deeper, something along the lines of William Gibson's The sky above the port was the color of television, tuned to a dead channel, you find not only a bit of poetry, but also a sense of tone and the questions of why that make readers want to keep going. 5. Voice Finally, in every one of our examples, we find the introduction of voice. Your authorial voice in general, and the voice of this story in particular, is your reader's introduction to you. Your first line is your hello, so don't waste it. Is your book funny, snarky, wistful, sad, or poetic? Make sure we find that core element in your opening line. Don't hand readers a joke at the beginning if your story is a lyrical tragedy. Opening lines offer authors their first and best opportunity to make a statement about their stories. Play around until you find something that perfectly introduces your story's character, plot, setting, theme, and voice. Your opening line may be as short as Suzanne Collins. It may, heaven forbid, be as long as William Faulkner's. It may be flashy, or it may be straightforward. Whatever the case, make sure it's an appropriate starting line for the grand adventure that is your story. Thank you for listening to the Wordplay Podcast. To read a transcript of this episode, visit me on the web at wordplay-kmyland.blogspot.com and be sure to listen again next week. 